0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of The Yacking Show, the Harmony Channel, and this is your path to wholeness, and we help you along that path to wholeness by bringing you expert guests, to help you lead a better, healthier, and happier life. And that is very important, going into the interesting times we are heading into by the look of things. But first, let's introduce our co-host, Kathleen Beauvais. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate having you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today, and we are so thrilled to welcome Rachel Fleischman to the show. Hello, Rachel. How are you today?
2: Hello Kathleen, hello Peter. I am great. It's I'm I'm grinning from ear to ear. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank oh, you. Oh,
1: it's our pleasure. Now, Rachel is a psychotherapist, she's a workshop facilitator, a wellness expert, an educator and mental health advocate. She helps clients unlock issues which are held inside the body by using her proprietary work merging talk therapy with expressive arts. So let's just delve right in, right off the bat. Rachel, can you tell us exactly what you do and how you do it?
2: Absolutely. And you know, I've been doing it for 24 years and I haven't gotten great at saying it. You'd think I'd have that down, but (laughs) I think each time I say it, it's slightly different depending on how it's so organic. Mm -hmm. I do uh, seated psychotherapy or talk therapy as we call it. Always, For many years now, always with an eye towards how are my clients living in their bodies, number one. But the talk therapy, you guys might be surprised, is actually done seated. Uh, Here and there, we do some getting up. Here and there, we do some breath work. And here and there, we do what might be called somatic work, Hmm. closing the eyes. But more than anything, I have to be a detective, a Sherlock Holmes, to see how is my client living in their body? Is there a foot shaking? Is there a foot tapping? Mm -hmm. Is there a fidgetiness? Is there a falling asleepness? We sometimes call that dissociating. I am the expert there in helping them engage and live a more embodied life. When I am out of the psychotherapy room, and clients can join this as well, I'm leading these classes and workshops and retreats, which are called Dance for Bliss and definitely live in the world of more of an active or living psychotherapy, Hmm. where we join uh, improvisational dance and movement, guided improvisational dance and movement, stretching, meditation, and then the expressive arts, poetry, um, Hmm. making music with our mouths, which is a lot of fun, Art making, which I love, especially with the non-dominant hand. So no inner critic comes in when you have both or one. I, I just wish everyone just had a psychotherapist, but if you can't afford that, you can come to a workshop. If you have one or the other, my goal is that we can all be living more embodied lives, living in our bodies, feeling our health. It helps us heal quicker from injury, helps us be smarter, helps business people be much more wonderful public speakers. And Lord knows we can all use that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it helps us love ourselves a lot more.
0: Hmm. Fascinating. Mm, interesting, interesting. So I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole before I ask you what I intended asking you because you used the expression non-dominant hand, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm getting on in years as you can see and as it, the audience can hear. So a couple of years ago, I was worried about cognitive decline through mm-hmm. aging, right? Yeah. And I, I read that if one uses one's non-dominant hand for certain tasks it can delay onset of dementia etc so I started writing every morning four or five lines with my left hand I'm right-handed and I've now got to the stage where if my wife comes in while I'm writing she says oh you are much your writing with your left hand is much more legible than you're writing with your right hand (laughs) honestly it's not as neat it's not the letters are not always as well formed but it's it's more easy to it's more easily readable more legible than my right hand so I I Sorry, that's a long background. But tell tell us more about this non dominant hand while we're on that subject.
2: Sure. One thing that's really cool is I'm a lefty. I have a, a south paw. What else have we called them? And I have always been obsessed with how that makes me feel a little bit special. Mm-hmm. It's hardly special anymore. But as a child, we still had elder neighbors lovingly tapping my hand and asking me to use the other hand. Right. Oh yeah. So um, which even in a lot of languages, the word left is. Uh, uh words that are very negative are used for the sinister, words,
0: sinister sinister sinister
2: right? sinistre sinister sinistre. Sinistre, sinister yeah um links i forget what that means in german but anyway when we write with our dom- non dominant hand science knows that we are less involved in the prefrontal cortex and yet you know some things uh. i don't know peter because when you're writing with your do- non dominant which is your left it's actually rewiring some patterning in your brain. I think mm-hmm. it's really fun that your wife says to you that that and handwriting has actually gotten better than your dominant, yeah. which I find fabulous. There are some experts, names I'm forgetting and I can share with you for show notes, who have shown that creativity uh, can deepen tremendously when we do writing with our non-dominant. I use it for drawing and expressing through what I call hand dancing, or dancing with a hand, which I find just takes us out of our inner critic instantly. I also believe that everything I do can help with cognitive decline. And um, dementia, I'd love to say everything I do helps with that. Some of that, unfortunately, some of it is predetermined, or some sure. of it is not. But with that said, when we go outside of the box and write with our non dominant, we are stretching ourselves in so many ways And I also believe in the drawing that we do coming out of the inner critic, which I find to be so empowering. And then I see Mm -hmm. images coming up that I find just delightful and surprising.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Wow. So, again, you mentioned not uh, left handers no longer being special. Still a fairly small minority of, what, 10 to 15 percent of the population?
2: I'd love to know and I could easily google. I'm going to guess 10 to 15 and when I was a child I would have said it was more 5. I felt like right. in each class if we were a class sure. of 30 and you said who are yeah. your lefties we'd have two kids raise their hand.
0: And yeah, so he- so, so um, I have a I have two sons, one of whom the older the older one is left-handed. And I also read that if you look at IQ of left-handed people compared to right-handed your average is higher amongst left-handed people and your creativity is higher amongst left-handed people. I've I'm read just that I like- <laughs> love everything you're saying i'm not no i'm not just trying to make you feel good i i've read that but uh and the one was supposedly based on trial anyway i'm going down a rabbit hole that um, is interesting but there's a lot more interesting stuff we need to ask you about one that really i've got to ask you being a male is what led you to combine your two passions another sorry um gone off track yet again explain how you connect dance and getting over fear and anger how does that work
2: i love that question and first i will say getting over good luck i still am a human who experiences fear and anger on the regular with that said when we move our bodies we are and we're enjoying ourselves let me add that when we move our bodies and we're enjoying ourselves we lose some of that inner policeman we lose some of that inner Mm -hmm. judgment some of that pre- frontal cortex, and we just come into the now. So we're already in the present, which is delightful because often fear and anger, often not always, is regret of the past or worry about the past and worry about the future Mm -hmm. or grievances we have about the past and worry we have about the future. When we move our bodies we are in the now, you've both moved your bodies. I'm sure yoga, dance, cricket. I don't know the countries you're from. I'm making it.
0: Mm-hmm. Total yeah, destiny. absolutely. Cricket. cricket. Yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. Great.
2: My husband is a player. So I always have to give shout out to cricket. When we move our bodies and we're in our present, nothing else exists, right? Kathleen, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. can tell by your gracefulness, you move your body. <laughs> when we move, we are in our present, which is phenomenal. And if we do it enough, we form a ritual. And as a wonderful choreographer, Twyla Tharp says, uh, how does she put it? Habit is, um, excuse me, ritual is habit made holy. Which I just love that. Uh So it's a Uh habit to put on your cricket helmet and your knee pads. And it's a habit, Kathleen, if you and I get out the tennis rackets or if we put out our yoga mat or if we go boogie and dance. But we also have ritual involved in it. All of that surpasses the place where we go around anger and fear. Our breath changes. Cycle, hopefully, right? We're breathing from a deeper place. Diaphragmatic breathing is happening, which is always a win. And we are working through emotions. For me, with dance, I would also say probably with Qigong and Tai Chi, there's so much activity happening that balances me energetically. And I see it in my students that I start a dance fretting about a conversation I've had with a friend weeks ago or how I'm sure my best years are behind me. You name it, whatever the thoughts are. And I finish the dance journaling about something really exciting i've discovered or how i really want to start crafting again or how i know i want to go volunteer or how i don't want to so there's a clarity that comes in that surpasses and bypasses anger and fear there's the deep breathing and god darn it excuse me there's joy which always takes us there every time
1: yeah Mm, so the the act of dance just takes your attention then away from from what is troubling you so what's worrying you or what's angering you so that is the premise is that by just moving your body takes your focus away takes your mind off of yes yes but it's deep less
2: you it's less sticky but my gosh I never want people to think that I'm just um tossing it under the rug or cha cha it right. away in a sense we still get to move it you do feel it, you know, you do have to feel it to kind of move out of it. But the feeling changes. Often the anger changes. Often I'll see in a dance where someone came in and warned me that they're in a terrible mood or I just know they're in it. And I'll see tears, you guys. I'll see tears prickling at the eyes or down the cheeks. The anger has moved. The anxiety has moved. So there's a movement happening and there's a release happening. And I also think, like I said, it's less sticky. So it's still there, kind of, right, burbling about, but it isn't taking over now. It's in the back seat.
1: Does this also work for grieving, for grieving people?
2: This is such a wonderful question. And the last podcast, I had this wonderful question from the podcaster about that, and I gave the long-winded answer, and I want to do better today and give short-winded, <laughs> which is yes and yes, but. Mm-hmm. The but is, where are we in the grief Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with really fresh grief, friends, maybe see a doctor, maybe talk with your minister, maybe sometimes have medicine at the ready with really fresh grief, right? It's a lot. Sometimes sometimes just keeping busy is what the person needs to do. Mm-hmm. So depending on where we are in the grief, and I've experienced this because I danced, I always say I danced the dance of my father's death again and again and again. And I also dance the birth of my friend's children with joy and so on. So yes, it can work for grief. I always just say it's yes and or yes but. Make sure you're getting the other support you need. I take grief so seriously, mm-hmm. of course, but Kathleen, it does help, and it helps a great deal. Yeah. Right,
1: right. So let's what what led you, Rachel, to combine your two passions—the study of movement and psychotherapy.
2: I think um, I would say trauma and cynicism. <laughs> My mm. own pain and my own history with p- pretty severe bullying as a child and feeling othered and some other things. In addition, the cynicism, which I get a kick out of, was my anger that the therapy session seemed so neck up. It seemed so from the neck up. It mm. seemed. Um, I almost want to put my hands on my hips. It seemed almost from the, and I got great training, but it seemed from the training and from everything I was reading at the time, and then I started reading other things, it was really rigid, the sort of old school masculine form of psychotherapy, no disrespect, Peter, to your sex. None taken, none (laughs) taken. Thank you. Thank you. And so I, of course, in going through my own struggles in my teens and early 20s went This ain't cutting it. I'm getting something I want from from the session. And it wasn't until a psychotherapist in my 20s, I'd already been a a fitness instructor. I'd already done a lot of things around sort of shaping myself with movement. But it was when she brought movement and guided imagery into the Mm -hmm. therapy session that I went, aha, there it is on the nose. This is divine. I'd also on the side always studied yoga and dance. And as a younger person, I'd my father, my late father, uh, with a physical therapy that he was kind of developing in his own cool way in his basement. And I was like, why is it every time I do this, I feel better? Every time I do this, if every darn time I do this, I feel better, I can't be alone. That mm-hmm. can't just be me. It can't just be anecdotal. So I dove in, in Philadelphia, to so many different movement systems that I could find in different dance worlds, group motion, lots of names I don't have to throw out, but Different programs and trainings that I got in dance therapy continued with learning psychotherapy and thought these have to be best friends, they have to be merged, and indeed they work beautifully together.
0: Wow, mm. amazing! Eh? Amazing. So, I was looking at your website, your dance, your bliss um, workshops. So, I can understand women getting engaged in that, but being an older conservative stiff upper lip, British born male. Do you find men as receptive uh, to it as your women glance or not necessarily?
2: I just had this vision, Kathleen, of, and listeners of Peter and I <laughs> dancing with our hands. And I just had this vision of him grooving with me, little little groove, but just doing like a little elbow, shoulder. I'm like just moving my elbow and shoulder for Come the listeners. And, <laughs> and I was like, the dude can dance like anybody's business. So Peter, the answer is you're absolutely right. I would say about 80% of my students are female. And the 20% of men who come in leave renewed. I am so thrilled when men come to my class. So, yes, there's about two for every 15 women. And uh, they are certainly not as receptive to women. The name and the colors on my website, I think everything is almost a bit hyper feminine because I do, I am quite a maternal gal. With that said, I've had engineers and stiff upper lips. Uh, and um, CEOs, and the whole like, and introverts, and Vietnam vets, Mm
1: -hmm. who
2: open up and are in their experience, and have a blast. So truly, I do see more females. But when I see a guy, I always feel like you are welcome here. And please do your thing. I won't get up on your grill, do your thing. But thank you. And yes, you bet what a joy we'll have.
1: Yeah, I I would have sounds good. I would assume that there's a lot of people that might be inhibited or feel like they're feel stupid or feel like embarrassed about engaging in that kind of movement. I don't know. Is, yes. Kathleen, I would be that
2: if I wasn't me, which is hard to imagine, but if I wasn't me, and I'm getting better at that as a therapist, I would be terrified, Great. Right? If there's anything I'm not into, if you put me in a math, a convention I'm going to run, want to run out the other way or something like that or a <laughs> thrilling sport first thing I do is create a safe space my silliness my humor my the fact that I'm not a professional dancer so my movements can be silly and playful really helps the space the fact that I speak while we're dancing and I say dance from your elbows and listener I'm just kind of moving my elbows and then I say invite your wrists in I'm giving movements that disinhibit us mm-hmm. invite in some playfulness. There's always space to, if we're on Zoom, you can turn away or whatever, you know, you turn a camera off, but there's always space to have your own privateness. This is, this is yours. But absolutely, I mean, I think there's so much that does frighten us about anything deeply expressive and names like dance or bliss and almost connote something which would make one cynical, like, really, like what's going to get me there? So safety, the teacher, always mirroring truth. And as I say, I'll be the silliest one in the room, starting small. Mm-hmm. Small movements, like you might in a soft yoga class, and bringing on music that you've heard of and love. You're going to hear your, mm-hmm. your Motown. You're going to hear rock and roll. You might hear classical. You're going to hear some R and B. You'll hear some spoken uh, not spoken word uh, singer songwriter. You're going to again hear a lot from 60s and 70s. How can we not? When I put Motown on, how can we not want to move a little? So once you're in there and you go, oh my word, it was nowhere near what I thought it would be
0: like. That's the hook. That's the joy. Great question.
1: So I'd
0: love to. Hang on, Kathleen. I've got to jump in. It'll be quick. I promise you. It's got (laughs) to be really really, really quick. Observation. I go to a church that um, now has, well, we hit 1,000 people the other Sunday, and we have to have have two two services to accommodate everyone, um, mm-hmm. and that's all over three years. That's not the point. The point I'm trying to make is when the gospel songs come on, it, it's a mixture of traditional hymns and Christian music. When I always sit near the back because I'm often an usher or whatever. I look forward, and I would say more than half of the women are swaying to the music or moving to music, maybe 10% of the men are. That's it. Thank you. Is, do, is that the bar?
2: Well, I wish you had said something higher than 10, but that's okay. I mean, it is church. It's such a reverent environment. Uh, I went to a university undergrad, uh, across the street from a Baptist church, about 100% African-American Baptist church. Of course, I was invited in. And you know where this is going. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. about to say. The dancing and the movement just made sense. At synagogue, um, being very reformed in my Judaism, there is movement and dance and song and clapping. And for the older folks, sometimes even softer. Uh, To come back to what you said, I'm so glad you brought up church and music, right? At church, I'm hoping there is music and Mm -hmm. and spiritual worship. When I think of dance, we know that throughout the centuries and throughout millennia, movement and spirituality really have gone together. It is a celebration of life. Mm -hmm. It shows the ritual of the life cycle. Little babies do not know how not to sort of move a little bit and groove. The fact that we have 10% grooving and moving is beautiful. I'll take it. And I hope that as impassionedness happens, maybe they'll see that usher in the back, Mr. Wright, who they've <laughs> always been curious about, Mr. Peter Wright with a great accent. And maybe they'll see just a little, and for the listener, I'm just doing like a little sway or a little something and they'll go, I too can do that. It's collective joy. If We go to a rock concert, my friends and we do the wave or something, or we see everyone clapping, we're going to be there together in the clapping and in the movement. So Mm. part of it is the collective joy or collective spirit you're seeing at church too, which is really
0: powerful. Mm. Yeah. I I nearly did sway to the music and I just caught myself in time. What what I will tell you though, is that the comment I made about only 10% men, if I look at young boys under about 12, because we have kids throughout service, there's almost as many of them swaying to the music as there are the young girls. So, Thank so you. that, so they haven't had it beaten, not beaten. No, that's the wrong word. They haven't had you. it suppressed out of them, right. emotionally by... beaten
2: out of them. That's emotionally, right. yeah.
0: That's there we that. go. Some... Sorry, sorry, Kathleen. I jumped in as I that's always okay. do. So, okay. Right.
1: So, I'm I'm curious, Rachel. What transformations have you witnessed in your clients through this type of therapy?
2: It's really hard for me to talk about this without crying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. I have seen on the, on the sofa, on the therapy sofa over the years, clients, more women than men, I will say, um, allowing us to what I call go beyond content content is, you know, I hate my boyfriend and I, or I hate my boss, or I'm so frustrated about, I mean, I'm doing my hand motion contents real. And I say, give me a minute, let's come together. Let's just hang out first, especially now on zoom. I'm in person a few days a week, but still most people see me on zoom. And I look you in the eyes and we hang out together and there's a contact happening. Um, and then, of course, if I want to do a little bit of movement with them, I'll do very safe, small amount of movement, also internal movement around breath and physical connection. Uh, I, I immediately see dropping into presence, dropping yeah. into the now. I immediately see softening of the eyes and some tears, not a breakdown. We're like, oh, my God, how am I going to leave this psychotherapy session, this you know, old ladies got me broken down, and how will I get to work? Just enough that we come into contact with self and with what's here. I also have seen people, of course, heal from trauma, sexual abuse, a lot of emotional abuse over the course of time. In my dance therapy program, where we're in a room together, perhaps, or a one on one dance therapy session, where do I begin? I've seen a lot happen. I'd like it to be more longitudinal. I don't think it's a really good thing for me to say, oh boy, folks, I see this great you know, outpour of emotion and then I say goodbye and I only see them once. I'm very grateful when I get students to come back again and again and I mm-hmm. see the trajectory of their health. But mm-hmm. as an example, I've worked with young men who've come in and taken me aside and said, I don't share this with a lot of people, but I have autism and I'm, I'm really struggling a lot to make friends here at this place where you're teaching. And after a month, they come and say, "Rachel." I have my first girlfriend. Your class has really helped me oh. because there they can be in, of course their own beat and so on. Right. I think I think your question is great but in no way listener do I ever pretend that this is for everyone. Wouldn't that mm-hmm. be naive? This is not for everyone. And and that's great. Let there be something for everyone. What is for everyone though? Kathleen and Peter is oh I'm nervous before a public speaking experience. Okay, Mm -hmm. I met that goofy gal, Rachel. I'm in the bathroom by myself and, you know, I put my hand on my heart and I've made contact with myself and I can feel my heartbeat and I'm slowing down and I'm softening my shoulders. And I'm softening my face and I'm coming back to presence and now I'm lifting my chest out a bit and feeling empowered. Maybe even I'm squeezing everything and listener, I'm like squeezing my fists. Like I'm just tight until I actually shake. Like I've eaten a lemon, my face is squeezed and then I release, right? Maybe a person says, you know what, Rachel, that dancing is a lot for me, but some of those movement forms you've shown me the shapes and so on, I like to do them before work. I'm much clearer at my meetings. I'm much less stressed when I talk to my mom,
0: etc. cetera. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very good. Mm-hmm. So here, I'm going to make an observation, and, and I'm more than happy if you tell me I'm totally wrong, but I'm going to make it anyway because that's what I do. And my observation from my perspective of my age of 73 I must qualify that by saying I I grew up in a different environment to what we experience in North America or in Europe, completely different in so many ways, and perhaps elitist in some ways. However, my observation is that many more people are suffering from anger, fear, and depression now, uh, seriously, than I observed when I was growing up 40, 50 years ago. Am I on the right track? And if so, why? I hate
2: that you're right. (laughs) First of all, you're correct. I hate that you're right. Meaning I'm really sad. I'm really Mm -hmm. sad. Peter, I think it would be naive for me to say, you know, hundred percent and everything was great when you were a boy. I think that I know in my generation as a Gen Xer and you're a baby boomer, I believe.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. um,
2: I think in your generation more than mine, the symbol was when I was a child, we had stickers with smiley faces. That was a very big symbology was turn your frown upside down, just smile. You've got two arms and two legs. You're not a kid starving in Ethiopia. Keep yep. keep trucking. I can only imagine in your environment in one of the countries in South Africa that I can't recall the name of, um, but you've you've been in other parts of the world where there was, you know, different cultural norms. Oh, perhaps, totally. Perhaps, totally. Perhaps much more solid, masculine. We might even call mm. them slightly toxic. And there were also lovely things, too. I don't want to take it one way. I like to blame social media for some of this. I think it's, again, naive to say all of it. I think it's a combination of social media showing us all the ways we've failed. I say that in quotes. Mm-hmm. I think it is, you know, a good chunk of it is that. I think that in the last three or four years, we've seen such an uptick for obvious reasons, which is this flipping pandemic has really, really hurt young people. Oh, yeah deeply. So I wish my answer was more comprehensive. And if we ever have a chat and we sit down and have pastry over Zoom, we'll really get into talking about where you're from. I'd love, mm-hmm. I'd love to know more because I feel quite ignorant. Like, yeah, it was one of those countries in Africa. I'm you know. but But I say to you, I think it's a combination of social media, the times we're living in where young people are because of the pandemic and for many other reasons that are not pandemic related, very insular and very insulated. I also think on a sweet note, what a gift that we can get therapy via Zoom and for yeah, less sure. money and that it's normalized in the kids on social media. It can be cool kids and do therapy. If I did a social media study, and we already know this, we feel more depressed when we look at social media. Mm. I feel older and uglier when I look at social media than I could possibly feel looking in the mirror and just being in my life. Um, we could go on and on and on about it. Those are my sort of basic answers. I'd love to have better ones in the future, but social media, pandemic, insularity uh, in the young person's culture. Uh, Also, we talk about aging in the most god-awful way for your generation and mine, which is, you know, we want the end of it. We want want to consider aging a disease almost. So Mm -hmm. whether you're old or young, you get to suffer through social media and the fact that we all are aging.
1: Right,
0: right, right, right. So, Sorry, Kathleen, back to you.
1: Yes. Yeah, so we are running a bit short on time here, but we have still a few more questions that we want to ask you. We want to give you an opportunity, an opportunity to tell us about your workshops. And as you mentioned, you do work virtually as well. So. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. Absolutely to pop, to pop in there now or questions now.
1: No, no. Just uh, tell us about your workshops.
2: Oh, of course. Oh, forgive me. Of course. That was the question. My goodness. Um, I always feel a little bit like I'm just doing um, shameless promotion. I teach workshops. um, I teach workshops in person and I do a lot of psychotherapy and individual movement sessions on Zoom. And sometimes I do volunteering at the public, at the free library, public library, excuse me, And also at suicide uh, prevention seminars and things. So also please listen or know you can do this in lots of other ways, not just me. If a listener is like, I really want to do this. I don't live near Rachel. I'm in Toronto. um, And I want to do this in person. If I was a listener and I was near you, I'd probably want to do it in person. She or he would look up words like conscious dance, ecstatic dance, expressive art, therapy, movement therapy and she or he might go down a really fun that's a fun rabbit hole where you're like oh there's poetry mm. therapy that's a safe start <laughs> oh okay there's drum therapy why not so that's one avenue but yes i teach at retreat centers like beautiful places canyon ranch is one of them a learning center i've been teaching at for many years called the omega institute which is in upstate new york so a nice canyon car ranch ride in arizona we have a canyon ranch in arizona oh, yeah um, I've not been to that yet. We Canyon Ranch in Lennox, Massachusetts, okay. some hours south of you, and we have one right here in Northern California in Woodside, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful retreat in the Redwoods. Oh, great for birding gosh. and relaxing and slowing down. and um so I do that teaching and then on Zoom, people really get that delicious private experience with me. Do a lot of psychotherapy on Zoom, and I do a bit of grief work on Zoom too. Um, the classes on Zoom I'm holding off on right now because in person is fueling me so much. Right. But here and there, I offer free classes on Zoom for people. I just mm-hmm. need to get a what's the word for like a good number of people to sure. make it worthwhile energetically. Sure. Right. And then I'm loving my Zoom classes. I'm also a music uh, snob. Uh, or geek. And so when I do it on Zoom, I know that your computer might not, you know, have the greatest sound system. And I feel sad that people are missing out sometimes on how juicy the music or my voice
0: might be in the dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very well, good.
1: Well, Peter, I know you have a burning question. So why don't, you, why don't you go right into your burning question? I
0: will jump straight into my burning question for Rachel. So Rachel, with all your experience and all your years of counseling people and working as psychotherapists and dance and the whole deal. You've seen a lot of people. Would you say there's one characteristic mindset or habit that differentiates those who remain well-balanced through life from those who don't, or is it a lot more complicated than that? Oh, God.
2: It is so complicated, but I'll give you three. Two three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're that's really fine. Big and I'll try to be quick. I'll try to be quick. One of them, my dear friends, is I do think we come out of the womb Formed in some ways meaning our disposition has Mm -hmm. um we don't all get dealt the same deck of cards i know that because we all have relatives who suffer mental illness i know that because um because Mm -hmm. and i also think in a you know we know if somebody god forbid loses a limb a few years later they're back at the baseline of how happy they were before and if somebody Mm -hmm. wins the lottery they can be just as depressed as before depending Mm -hmm. on who they are. So some Mm -hmm. of it is sort of how we view the world. Mm -hmm. And friends, I find that one really hard because I was not born viewing the world as all sunshine and roses. I was really a down kid, tremendously introverted, scared, and sometimes anxious and depressed. So another big part of it is intention. Another big Mm -hmm. part of of balanced life is, okay, today isn't easy. I'm putting my shoes on or I'm making it easy by sleeping with my clothes on for my walk. Or I'm having that dear friend text me and say, come on, kiddo, you can do it. So it's intention. A lot of it is uh, sort of how we're made. But the one factor I really want to say more than anything right now is present. Two factors is presence and compassion. Okay. We've got to shut everything down. Not this though. This is different than like when I'm just zoned out. Like I'm with Mm -hmm. humans now. And Mm -hmm. when the listener listens, they'll know when I said this, I was present, which then in turn, when you listen to a good podcast, you feel the presence of the speakers. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. So our presence helps our health, our being in the moment and not being elsewhere. Next rock concert you go to, maybe don't have your camera out the whole time. Maybe just watch Beyonce Mm -hmm. if you want to. The next time your child has a piano recital, well, what can I say? Parents, take your photos. It's fine. Take your videos. (laughs) Be present and compassion is a muscle that we're not all born with, Uh, not to say people who are sociopaths, but if we can build our compassion and care about one another, we then build kindness. Mm. We also build gratitude. That whole mixture creates so much remarkable goodness. Doing (laughs) an act of kindness, nothing makes, that's my greatest high. Mm. That is my greatest high and probably yours too. So those factors help a lot. Um, I could talk and talk and talk about how we're a work-addicted culture, but I love my work, so that doesn't help. And I don't think work is the problem. I think it's Mm -hmm. other other stories and narratives that we have about ourselves that's the problem.
0: Am I right in thinking that for, and I've been guilty of this myself, that for many people, one of the ways of coping with the pressures of life is to overwork because it's an escape.
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely 300% and it's probably why one of the reasons we have great thinkers they had to get out of the house they had six kids screaming they felt that their partner nagged them but maybe Mm -hmm. their partner didn't Um, absolutely and it's not the worst addiction or
1: escape in the world
0: sure sure Sure. Uh, wow thank you for that very good
1: so Rachel how do people contact you sure um well,
2: I wish you could just scream bliss into the air and I would I would answer it and we'd have a magical <laughs> moment. But you've got to get on that gorgeous machine. I'm at Rachel The spelling is tricky, but I, you know, it's 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 findable. I'm findable. Um, and then I have bliss counseling and I have a cheeky little joke, which is you're in Canada. And guess what? You spell counseling different than I.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You spell it with two L's and I spell it with one. Right. So you can try it with two L's and you'll probably get someone in the UK or someone else who does bliss counseling, but yes, it's bliss counseling or com. I try to be on LinkedIn once or twice a week. I try to stay off the news because uh, it's devastating. Yes. Um, but what I love doing more than anything is having a listener, write. I want resources, not, I need a session with you. I want resources because mm-hmm. I took an oath as a social worker when you need resources, and resources means it could be names of therapists, it could be dance programs that I've vetted for them, it could be learning about a retreat that they take, it could be whatever. Um, I love helping people with that as well.
1: Wonderful. Okay,
0: great. Thank and you. for so our, nice. Sorry, for our audio listeners, all those details will be in the description on what, whichever platform you are listening to this on. Okay. That's it from me. Back to you, Kathleen.
1: Well, thank you so much, uh, Rachel. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I mean, we could have gone on for hours. I think oh, for sure, discussion. But uh, we will have to have you back at some point in the future. I hope you you will come back. And um, if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, we invite you to join us or to visit us rather at the yackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form. And we'd love to hear from you.
0: But first, Peter, would you like to talk about the newsletter? absolutely. You've just experienced another wonderful guest, a really exciting guest on the show. So to make sure you don't miss out the news of our guests that are coming on in the future, sign up for our newsletter. We only send you one email a week and we'll tell you who's on this week and who's coming next week. A couple of health tips, maybe a business tip and you'll be in the picture. So hop onto the website, as Kathleen said, the yakini You'll find forms in many places and join our community. That's it from me. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.